0: Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church sermon podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. special guest with us here today, my sister Denise, who can share with you the joys of growing up with me. But she forgave me anyway, and uh, we have a good relationship now because she chose to show love, and I'm grateful for that. But uh, we did cause her some stress in her life. We're looking this morning in Colossians chapter 4 at some family traditions Family traditions, Paul's closing out this letter, we've been studying through this on Sunday mornings for several months, although we took a month off right before and several weeks after my surgery because I was out. Um, My family had some traditions that were sacred. You know, on Thanksgiving Day, I was talking with my sister this morning, and and when we were young, on Thanksgiving Day, we'd go out for a long hike, the kids and dad, and mom would fix the whole meal, and then we'd come in and eat and then watch football all afternoon. And and then when I was a teenager, I, I vividly remember this, we'd go play football all morning long, and then we'd come back, get a quick shower, stuff our faces at the table, and then watch football all afternoon. And, you know, after I was married, I learned something. Big family meals are big family projects, too. They're not just for the wife to do in the kitchen all by herself. I never knew that growing up. Uh, The guys never fixed the meal. And on Christmas Day, we would open presents and then we'd have a huge breakfast in the morning. Then we'd go play basketball in the afternoon. And then when we were teenagers, we'd go watch a Christmas movie or a movie that came out on Christmas Day that used to be a big day for movies to come out. I don't know if it is or not anymore. Uh, But uh, the craziest family tradition, my brothers and my dad and I had is, well, I think it's the craziest. She might have a different idea. She can fill you in later. Uh, But we would say say a joke, a a stupid joke. It could be about anything. Uh, But the punchline had to include the word radio. And if any of us told this long story and then ended with radio, we would all crack up laughing. And then we'd have guests in the house, you know? And you'd tell them this story and they finally opened the box and inside was a radio and we'd all crack up laughing at all us guys. And then the guests would, would join in because they didn't want to feel like they were left out of the joke, you know? Didn't want to be the, the person who couldn't see the emperor's clothes. And we told stupid, long, drawn out stories and then said radio, we'd all crack up laughing. And that was one of the really dumb things my brothers and my dad and I did. You probably had some in your house. We had some other dumb ones. We had some other fun ones, some really rich and rewarding ones, some that Kathy and I have carried on in our own family, some that Kathy and I have transitioned away from because uh, the family I grew up in had some we weren't very uh, fond of. But we're going to look in Colossians chapter four, and we're going to start in verse seven. We're going to read down through the end of the chapter, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some things that were family traditions for the family of God as instructed by the apostle Paul, beginning in verse seven, Tychicus. How come, you know, you guys named sons Timothy or Peter or Nobody names their son Tychicus. I don't know why. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. He actually was like a nephew of Barnabas, his Barnabas's sister's son uh, about whom you receive instructions if he comes to you welcome him and Jesus who is called justice uh, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision they have proved to be a comfort to me see the, the those of the circum- there were Jewish believers who uh, tried to make Paul's life miserable And they would follow where Paul was and say, well, you have to trust Christ and convert to Judaism. And so Paul specifically designates, these are the guys who were the faithful Jewish believers and they're partners with me. The other guys who say they were sent from Paul, they're not from me because these guys were actually going around to churches and saying, oh, Paul sent us here to give you the finishing story of your faith. And they were lying and deceiving. And uh, we looked before how they had a council in Acts chapter 15. And they resolved these issues. And it should have stopped it, but it didn't. The uh, antagonistic ones continued to be antagonistic. Have you noticed that? Internet trolls act like trolls. And they keep acting like trolls. Even if you can prove that it's not true, they still propagate it. I don't know why. Won't it be nice in heaven? There won't be any fake news. There won't be any political ads. It'll be bliss. It'll be great. What I hate is I get them on my phone. I have a cell phone that I pay for. Why do they have a right to send? Anyway, let's go. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you. Would people say you have great zeal for other people to help and minister to them? Well, that's how he was. And then he says in that same verse, middle of verse 13, and for those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church that is in his house. Now, when this epistle is read among you, Paul wrote it to the church there in Colossae, planning to have it be read to all the believers so they could all hear and they could all learn. And when that is read, do you see that you also um, read also that which was sent to the church of the Laodiceans? So uh, there isn't a a book in your Bible called the the, uh, uh, letter of Paul to the Laodiceans. He's probably talking about the book of Ephesians, Because some of the early manuscripts of Ephesians don't have the title Ephesus there. Uh, It has, they, they like would duplicate this letter and then send it out. So they sent one to Laodicea and one to Ephesus and one. And so some of the early manuscripts don't, of the book of Ephesus, don't say Ephesus. And so that was probably a letter that was duplicated and sent out to a lot of different people, including those in Laodicea. And so he wants them to learn from those other epistles, to grow, to be brought to the word of God and connect and learn and grow. And then he says uh, in verse number 17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Amen. So Paul would get down to the end, he would dictate the letter, they would write it out. Then at the end, he put something on there so they knew this was actually from Paul, because there were false things being sent out, and they said they were from Paul. So everything that he sent out, he signed, so they knew it was legit, okay? Now, here's some family traditions that Paul talks about to these people. He wants to encourage them in it. He wants to say to the believers, here's something the believers should do. Here's something we need to work on. You should also be following this path. And so, number one, each family member actively and faithfully serves. Each family member actively actively and faithfully serves this is a picture taken from one church's awana program not from ours Uh, but it shows an older lady and she's helping a young girl memorize a verse it looks like she's in the the beginner uh, at the beginning of clubs they get uh, a check what do you call it in trek check for treks what's it called for the younger clubs start books, Uh, and they start with us and all those start books present the gospel. So their first night in club, they're presented with the gospel and and this lady's in there helping. Now, uh, do we have an age limit on uh, how, if you get too old, you can't work in Awana? No, we don't. We do have one limit. If you can't hear the kids say their verse, then you can't help them pass their verse. Because you can't say, just nod your head. Yeah, I heard words. No, it has to be the right words in the right order or they can't pass the verse. But any of you could serve in Awana if you had a desire to do that and you could be trained in the process of doing that. And if you're interested, you can talk to Clarinda Pennick and, uh, or Tim Pennock and, and they uh, work to find a place where you can help and serve. But each family member is supposed to be actively serving. Now, growing up, it seemed normal to me that my mom spent all Thanksgiving morning by herself in the kitchen. Uh, well, I guess she incorporated Denise's help in there sometimes, but but us boys always ran off and played, and it seemed like the right thing to me growing up. Uh, but I learned that that's not the way it is. You work together, you provide together, and... Uh, And my dad, oh, by the way, last week I was commenting on Kathy never having played football. And she reminded me that when she was in fifth grade, she played football with the boys because she was the only girl who could throw a spiral. And so she played quarterback for both teams so the guys could run and smash into each other. (laughs) No, I'm glad you didn't run and smash into them. But in my in my dad's defense for those Thanksgiving days, dad was a journeyman in the kitchen. Mom was an artist. And so dad didn't like being in the kitchen. My mom loved being in the kitchen. It was her domain. It was a sad time in her life when her Parkinson's progressed to where she couldn't fix any meals in the kitchen. She cried and cried because she loved her kitchen. And I'm sure she would have happily found a place for dad to serve if dad had been willing and interested, uh, but how do you help the people around you? This is, I'm, well, did, did tell, something you do to help people around you. What's something you do? Somebody from this section, what's something you do to help people around you? Y'all need to pray for them. <laughs> they, they need to be ministering. So what, Kathy Berg? You listen. That's great. Somebody over here. What's something you do to help people? Aaron said change diapers. So are you helping your wife or your daughter or both? It's a twofer. All right. Ed? Do the dishes. Good for you. That's great. You know, I finally, I actually fixed a meal for Kathy this past week. It was an easy meal, but I still did it. First time in months and months and months that I was able to do that. And she was happy that I did. And I even cleaned up afterwards. All right? Something you do to help people. You make the money. <laughs> you know, Sherry has been blessed to be able to just invest her life where she wants to, and she, she hasn't had to have a job. since. Well, she did work. She worked here at church. She had other jobs, but she's retired now, and uh, what a blessing uh, that I'm glad you do make the money and take care of things, Jeff, and I know you do a lot more than that, uh, but that's still a good thing. How, now, I don't want you to answer this. I don't want you to stand up and say, oh, this church is so blessed because of me. But how is our church blessed because you serve here? Don't answer that out loud. But just ask yourself. Now, I, I noticed some things about people. And, you know, we have some folks who they don't serve in a single ministry that we have here. They're not. Involved in children's ministry or specifically involved in adult ministry and they might think well I really don't do anything but see before Sunday school I was in this room and people were going around and I saw some people who would go over and talk to people and encourage people. Uh, I saw some older people engaging with the teenagers and interacting with them. They know them by name. They pray for them by name you're ministering to people just by, as Kathy Bird said earlier, listening to people, engaging with people, connecting with people. That's a ministry that you can do to help people. How are people in our community blessed because you live in this community? And I realize some of you don't live right here in Casa Grande. You live in you know strange and foreign parts like Michigan or something like that. But But some of you live in Coolidge. We have folks who live in other parts of the state. They're not all living in Casa Grande. Uh, But how is your community blessed because you live in your community? And uh, how is your neighborhood blessed because you live on that street? What do you do to help the neighborhood? And so each person in the family of God should be actively and faithfully serving, helping, caring, making a difference in some way. Because you walk with Christ. So if you notice in here, how does he describe Tychicus in verse 7? A beloved brother and a faithful minister. So he, he's, he's a fellow servant. So he, he includes him in. And then in verse 9, he calls um, Onesimus a faithful and beloved brother. Uh, And so these guys were serving, they were ministering, they were caring, Uh, they were involved. And uh, our family is supposed to be actively and faithfully serving, each one of us. Secondly, is our family works together. Our family works together. It's not enough just that you work, that you serve, but you serve with other people. You care about other people. You're engaged and involved, working together with people. One of the issues that Tim and Clarenda have had to have, deal with as directors of our ALANA program is occasionally we have a worker who wants to do their own thing. I just thought of Javanot. Javanot, do you guys ever remember that old song? All right. I'm not going to sing it for you to remind you older folks about it. Uh, But do your own thing. That's what some people, they want to do. And so we've had to go back to the basics with some people and say, here's what we do. This is who we are. This is what we do. If you can't do that, you can't serve in this ministry. And uh, that's rare, Uh, But it still happens sometimes. We're supposed to be working together. There's supposed to be a desire for the common good in our ministry and in our involvement in the community. A desire for the common good. Um, In verse 7, he's a fellow servant. In verse 11, they're fellow workers. See, a pastor is important, but the church is a body of Christ. And the body of Christ is more important than the pastor. And if you've been involved in our church this past year, you've seen that in action. Because as my health deteriorated, uh, my sister said, Kathy alarmed my siblings big time because Kathy said that um, I was declining significantly, right? Right before my surgery, those last two weeks, my health just really went down. I got where I couldn't even carry on a conversation. I had to text Kathy because I couldn't talk Because if you heard that last sermon that I preached before I went out for my surgery, I could barely get a sentence through without having spasms in my esophagus and stuff. So I was a mess. And you know what? Our church was fine. I was out for a month, I was unhealthy. I couldn't serve. I couldn't minister. We had the deacons and trustees stepping up. We had Megan stepping up. We had people doing extra serving, making sure the services went well. The administrative stuff of the church went well. Everybody was involved. The ministry leadership team had a meeting without me and everything went fine. It's not that the church doesn't need a pastor, but a church is not pastor centered. It's Jesus centered. And we're all servants of Jesus ministering together. So our different deacons, they were faithful and our trustees were faithful. And Megan was faithful and and running the office and everything worked well. I got to see the body of Christ in action when one member was hurting and one member was unable to participate. And uh, it was almost like I I shared with the ministry leadership team a little bit uh, Wednesday night when we had our meeting. It was almost as if I got an outside view of our church because I was out for so long and and so detached from it. Even the last couple of weeks when I was able to be in the pulpit, I wasn't able to be in the office much at all. And, and it was just a very difficult time for me. And and it was such a blessing to have so many people step up and minister and the body of Christ was nurtured and provided for and cared for and and it was it was great um last Wednesday we had the the men and women who serve on our leadership team we got together and we talked through things of the church by we have um have a Harvest offering coming up in November and and later this month we're going to announce what that special project's going to be and it, I think it'll excite you to to be involved in doing that and uh, they they help us make sure that our finances are operated well they, they're overseeing that they're looking at that they're they're making sure the reporting is accurate they're questioning things uh, that uh, they you know why why was this this way not because they don't trust people but because they want to make sure they know because they have a responsibility to the church to do that and so uh, we have excellent record keeping and and we've never had an issue where anything was even remotely wrong we track down to the penny every expense and document and receipt it and and but they also help us not just overseeing the finances, but the spirit of the church. And and we were sharing prayer requests for the ministry. And some of you people sitting in here today were included in this prayer request that the leadership team had because we're concerned about you and the issues going on in your life. And uh, it was kind of fun for me to not be on the prayer list right now because I was for a long time. I appreciate your prayers for me, but physically I'm doing better than I have in more than a year. So praise the Lord for that. But every successful team and every successful ministry takes people who work together. You've maybe seen it on TV or you've experienced it where you've got a basketball game. How many guys are on a basketball team or girls on a basketball team at the, on the court at the same time? Five, okay? You can have a bunch, but five on the court at a time. And every now and then you got one who he wants to be the top dog and he doesn't pass and he dribbles all over and he shoots and he misses and the whole team loses. It works when they work together. And that's how it is in ministry when we work together. You read through uh, God's list of spiritual gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and, and uh Peter's instruction and Paul's instruction in Ephesians 4 and and you pull it together and God has designed that you have some gifts and other people have gifts you don't have so that you need to work with them. God designed it that way so that we work together to make it stronger. Our family members actively and faithfully serve individually and work together. Thirdly, Our family members care about each other. Uh, If you look at the bottom of verse uh, 7, the end of verse 7, he says, Tychicus is going to tell you all the news about me. And then in verse 8, he said, I want to know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. He's sending greetings and prayers and compassion and passion for each other. We care about each other. If somebody in the family uh, shares a need, you're not supposed to just say, oh, interesting. You're supposed to care. And if somebody asks you to pray, you're supposed to pray for them and care about them. And that's a blessing. That's one of the neatest things about being involved in a church is that people care and people are involved. And they have done a lot of studies, when I served as a chaplain, I read through these studies they did that if you have a faith, any faith, if you have a faith in something that's bigger than you and you're involved with other people pursuing that faith, then you thrive. You do better than people who don't. Now, that study didn't designate which faith was accurate. If you have faith in anything other than Jesus Christ, you're still on your way to hell You just feel better about life until you get to hell. Any faith helps you in this life, but only faith in Jesus prepares you for the life to come. So when you have the true faith, the one true faith, one God, one Lord, one Savior, and you have the one true faith, then you have the best of this world and the best of the world to come. Because you're involved and engaged with people that help you and encourage you and bless you and you can be a blessing to them. I tell you, it was so fun for me to actually be able to help Kathy with something after I finally got healed up enough from my surgery because she had to do almost everything for me. And, And I loved being able to help her. What a blessing that is. So we care about each other. Paul worked hard to communicate with others. He wanted them to know how he felt, what was going on in his life, and he wanted to know how they were doing. He regularly prayed for more than 100 different people mentioned by name in the scripture and for dozens of churches. Hopefully you have a prayer list that includes the names of some of the folks in our church that have needs and you're praying about it and and you're caring about it and you're involved 40 years ago uh, when our first baby died uh, Kathy and I had two couples kind of reach out to us a little bit and one couple pastor Steve and Brown and his wife Pam he pastors Salem Baptist Church in Salem Oregon but at the time we were in the same church in Tucson and Steve and Pam came over and they listened to us as we shared about the loss and I was a little bewildered because I had given up a job I loved and was succeeding and thriving at. And we'd gone to prepare for Bible school and then God let our baby die. And I was really a little bit disillusioned and pretty frustrated with God at the time. And they listened to what we shared. And then they shared about their loss because they had experienced a similar thing. And they prayed with us and they encouraged us. I don't think we were really friends before that, do you? I I knew Steve because Denise and Steve and I went horseback riding together when when they were in college and I was in high school and and we went horseback riding together. So I knew who he was and I knew he was a nice guy, but we weren't friends until they reached out and ministered to us and helped us. and, And what a blessing. And then there was another couple and she wanted to encourage us a little bit. And so she said to Kathy, Oh, don't worry, honey. God let me lose five before he gave me my son Danny. Do you think that ministered to Kathy? You know, all Kathy could think of, I have to go through this four more times? You know, one couple cared and ministered. Both couples shared, but one minimized our feelings and minimized the hurt we felt. And one couple encouraged us in the Lord. You be that second couple. You be the one that's encouraging people in the Lord. Life can hurt. Yes, we have God with us, but as the little girl who told her grandpa when she was spending the night at grandma and grandpa's house and he came in and he talked to her, she said, can you stay in here with me? He said, oh, honey, no, you, you have the Lord Jesus with you and he'll be with you all night long. I'll just be in the other room with grandma. And she said, but grandpa, I want somebody with skin on. You can be the one with skin on that can help and care for people and meet their needs and encourage them in the Lord because God's people care. So if you cannot think of a time you have reached out to help somebody who was struggling, then do something this week so that if I called on you next week, you could say, yes, I did. Um, You need to be helping and caring. And isn't it cool when you get to see somebody else ministering to people? I, I love to see that. I love sometimes just to stand back in the corner and watch as the body of Christ, people are ministering to each other and connecting with each other. And then I just thank God that I get to be part of a church family that really cares. And they care about new people, and they care about older people, and they love people. And what a blessing. Our family members actively and faithfully serve and work together, and they care for each other. Number four, our family members have different life histories, but we are united in Christ. My sister Denise is here today. She was born in Paris France, not Paris, Texas. She was born in Paris, France, she and my older brother. And so in my family, my mom was born in Bakersfield, dad was born in a rural Pennsylvania, uh, and they met in Paris because grandpa was a chaplain in the Air Force and dad was in the Air Force, and dad got in a little bit of trouble, so they assigned him to work with the chaplain for a little bit. The chaplain invited him over for dinner, and according to grandpa, he just stayed uh, Dad went over and had dinner with the chaplain and stayed and married the chaplain's daughter, and uh, but uh, our family growing up, I had two siblings born in Paris, France, and didn't you have to choose American citizenship when you turned 18? They could choose French or American, and they chose American. And then then I had two of us, my brother Gary and I, were born in Tucson. Uh, technically, we were born on the national land of Davis Monthan Air Force Base, but but it was at the city of Tucson. And then uh, my younger sister was born in Albuquerque, my younger brother in the LA area. I don't remember the city, but it was somewhere out in the LA Valley. And so we were born in different parts of the world, different parts of the country, uh, but we're one family. And we traveled a lot because dad was in the service and that's what service families do. Um, and in this scripture, we see two people who are from Colossae. Epaphras and Onesimus, they were from Colossae, but others were from other parts of the world. And you look at the history of those who were serving God and those who were significantly involved in what we would call the early church after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those who were in the foundation part of building the church and we're still learning from them. But we had Peter, James, and John. They were businessmen. They ran a business, a successful enterprise. What was it? fishing. They were, they didn't just fish. They caught fish. They sold fish. That was their business. That was their industry. And then Matthew had been, what did he do? Matthew is also called Levi. He was a tax collector. He raised money to support Rome. And then there was another guy in that group called Simon. He was a zealot. What were zealots trying to do? Throw off Rome. So you had one guy who's helping fund Rome and one guy who's trying to, tear, to overthrow Rome. When Jesus sent him out two by two, I, I really would like to know, did he put Matthew and Simon <laughs> together uh, and they had to get over their differences? I don't know. Uh, Paul had been a Pharisee and an enemy of Christ. James and John were brothers and possibly cousins to the other brothers, Peter and Andrew. John Mark was a nephew of Barnabas. Luke was a doctor. Apollos was a gifted public speaker. Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers and teachers. Uh, Timothy was saved as a child. Paul was saved in his 30s. Uh, some came from Europe and Asia and Africa, but they became a close family in Christ. One of the cool opportunities that I have had is to go and minister in other parts of the country. I've had the opportunity to preach from California to Georgia and a lot of places in between and and uh, to to be around people and minister, and then I've gone to conferences up in northern states and... And I've uh, preached and ministered in uh, Mexico, in Hermosillo, Mexico, and in more than a dozen cities in Cuba when God used to allow me to go and minister there. And everywhere we went, we found people who had similar needs, similar concerns, and a similar heart for God. There were people that I couldn't talk to without an interpreter but our hearts were following the same Lord God. And when he prayed and when I prayed, God heard our prayers because he hears every language and understands all of them. And he can have everybody pray at the same time, but we have different histories. We come from different backgrounds, different places. And yet um, we are family. Our relationship with Christ makes us family. And our family members are actively, faithfully serving and working together while they care for each other because they're united in Christ. He brings us together. Number five, we gather together as a family to be encouraged and challenged from Scripture. That's what we did at 9.30 this morning. We had a Bible class in here and Bible classes in and, and most of the rooms over in that building and we uh, discuss Scripture, we learn from Scripture. uh, uh, Today was a review lesson of what we've looked at the last 10 weeks, uh, but there's still a focus on learning God's Word, and that's what we're doing right now. We're gathering together be encouraged and challenged from Scripture. One of the trademarks of the church is that we meet together. In fact, that's what church means. Church is not just believers. Church is an assembly of believers. It, it actually, if you translate the, the Greek word ecclesia, it's an assembly of called out ones. And so, as an individual, I'm a follower of Christ. But I am not the church unless I'm gathering together with other believers. Then I am the church and part of the church and engaged and involved in the church. It's important to be encouraged and challenged from Scripture. I listen to the Bible on my audio book when I'm walking in the morning. I read the Bible, but it's encouraging to hear it preached. We grow and we learn. It's important to hear the word proclaimed, to hear it communicated, to hear it taught. And it's vital to your spiritual health to hear God's word taught and preached and to do it with your church family. I appreciated the fact that we do uh, put it online. And there's some folks who couldn't be here today. Hopefully they're tuning in online. If they're not doing it right now, they'll be doing it later. In fact, Megan and I have been kind of surprised at how many people tune in from other parts of the world. And, and uh, uh, in fact, Denise was saying uh, she lives up in Sholo, you know, up with those mountain people. she. <laughs> She lives up there. She calls me a flatlander. But, but uh, she had somebody come up to her and say, listen, you have got to listen to these Tuesday talks this young lady's putting out. And she said, oh, I know, that's my niece. And she's using my notes. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say that. But, but this lady had no idea. She, she just started tuning in. And this last week, more than 1,000 people tuned in to the Tuesday Talk from different parts of the world, different countries. And, and it was just amazing how many people, that's what it said, the number count, 1026, the last time I looked. And, well, that was last week. I didn't check it for this week, this past week. But, I mean, there's a lot of different people who are engaged and involved. But, you know, it's, that's good and that's beneficial but it's really cool when we can get in the same room and we can see each other. We can share with people face to face. We can have somebody maybe give us a hug or a handshake or a holy fist bump, not a face bump, fist bump. Those are holy, face bumps, not so holy. Uh, but uh, we, we connect with people and we're involved with people and that's a blessing to us and to them. Uh, so this is vital to our spiritual health. And I'm glad that people are watching online. That's what I did the whole month of July because I couldn't even be here. Uh, and when they were recently up in the White Mountains, Jim and Kloyce Rikosi walked into church with Denise, and now Denise is here in church with Jim and Cloyce. She's stalking you. So. Uh, but it's good to be with your church family. It's good to be learning and growing together. The world does not recognize the importance of church, but the family of God sure does. This is what we do because this is who we are. And lastly, our family rejoices in the grace of God that brings salvation through Jesus Christ. The the family of God. Verse 18, he said, This is the salutation by my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Grace be with you. So we're doing what Paul wanted. We're reading the epistle to the Colossians. We're talking about it. We're instructing in it. We've done a series through this book. We're doing exactly what he was encouraging them to do as a church family. Some of you have read this on your own. Uh, Maybe even while we've been going through this study, I've read it several times as we've gone through this study in preparation for and planning for the messages. And and now growing up, our family was sports-obsessed. We were, and we were also pretty good at it. I mean, Jim and Gary were all-stars in, in Little League, and Denise and I were city champs in track and field, and, and we were pretty good at it, but we, we watched every sport, we played every sport. We made sports competitions out of everything. Everything was a competition. And we fought so much growing up that dad bought us boxing gloves. And he'd put, we'd put in, we'd have a three-minute round, one-minute break, and then back at it till somebody couldn't fight anymore. And we still, well, Denise and Jim and I still rejoice in that time when Denise knocked Gary out with a hard, hard right. Just took him down. He was out cold. Mom was all worried. Dad's like, he'll wake up. You know, we just walked away. We're like, yay, Denise. It was awesome. But, but our family was obsessed with sports. In fact, I did not have a nice relationship with my dad at all growing up. I wasn't very good at sports. Uh, you know, my brothers were on the all-star team. I was on the all-splinter team because I sat the bench so much. Uh, I, I, I just I only got to play because they had rules in Little League. If a guy's on the team, he has to play at least one inning every other game, so I got to play one inning every other game. or you know, it, it just, they were stars, and I wasn't. And then somehow I got running, and, and I realized doing long distance running I could get good, and, and I started and I progressed, and, and I actually made All-American my senior year, but, but my dad like totally disapproved of me until I started winning some races. And then suddenly, dad accepted me as one of his boys. And that was, I think, wrong of him, unkind of him. Um, He was a big help to me in some ways, and I learned some other things not to do from living with my dad. But see, the family of God doesn't focus on success. Did you know there is a Christian Hall of Fame in the United States, it's a hall of fame that recognizes famous Christians. Well, I think we should have a Christian hall of fame. It should have one member, Jesus. Everybody else is a learner in progress. Jesus is the finished product. And so Courtney and I were in a church service and these people were all excited because their pastor who is now with the Lord had just been inducted into the Christian Hall of Fame. I hope I never get nominated and never get put there because the Hall of Fame is Jesus, one and only, just Jesus. So we don't rejoice in the successes of one person or another person. We rejoice in the grace of God that brought salvation to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We rejoice in him. Humanity celebrates success and strength, but God's family celebrates weakness and neediness. When we're weak, then we experience his strength. When we're needy, then we call unto him and he will answer. When we desperately needed a savior, he died for us, and we can trust and be saved. Like displaying diamonds, when you go see diamonds on display, they put them against a back, uh, a black background. They put the black background there so the sparkles of the diamond show up best. God's power and strength shows best in human weakness. Like our church. Our church was very clearly fulfilling the body of Christ requirements this year, and it showed up because I was weak and I was out and I was unavailable to do a lot of things that I normally do. And so it showed off how God was working in all kinds of people, dozens of people, not just one, how God was involved in ministering through dozens of people, not just one. And, and what a blessing that we got to see that and experience that. All right, next time it's one of the deacons' turn to have the bad health issues, okay? <laughs> uh, but. But it was a blessing for our church to be able to see that the diamonds sparkle best against the black background. And by the way, Tim Pennick has already done his duty as a suffering deacon. So it'd be Ben, it's you or John. You know? um, so uh, we rejoice not in worldly successes. We rejoice in our salvation. We rejoice not in our own strength but in the power of Christ who conquered sin and death. We prepare for heaven because that's so much more important than just succeeding here on earth. You can be the greatest success in the history of the world and be an absolute failure if you're not preparing for the life to come. So family traditions. What are the family traditions you have in your family? What are the family traditions we have in God's family? Let's keep the spiritual ones and let's carry on and and get rid of the other ones and carry on in the spiritual ones so that we're building something that lasts for all eternity. Now, I don't think when we get to heaven that we're going to have, you know, a cheering section and, and people are going to say, everybody who went to Victory Baptist Church at Castle Grand, stand up and cheer. You know, in boot camp, they did that. They had guys stand up from where they had lived and, and they'd say where they were from and see if anybody else was near there. And, and uh, one of the strangest things, I had this guy stand up and he said, I'm Randy Fields from Papillion, Nebraska. Anybody ever been there? The whole room was quiet. And I said, "Wait a minute, Randy Fields from Papillion, Nebraska. We had, we were in third grade together. I had not seen him since the beginning of fourth grade when he got moved to a different class. Uh, my dad specifically requested. Well, I got moved to a different class because my dad specifically wanted me in." Mrs. Peters, because he thought she was a tough enough teacher to try and straighten me out. And it worked during the class time. Uh, But um, she she was a sweet lady, and she had all of my brothers, and she desperately wished she could have had my sister, but Denise was too old. So, you know what? In heaven, nobody's going to cheer because you were in Victory Baptist Church of Casa Grande but if you were a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to rejoice because they serve Christ with you. And there's going to be this awesome family gathering, people you've never met before, people you haven't seen for 40, 50 years. You're going to be gathered together. You're going to be rejoicing. in what happened because you were following Christ and they were following Christ. The Bible doesn't specifically say, but I think we'll all speak our native language and we'll all understand every language in heaven. I just can't wait till somebody comes up to me speaking in Italian and I'll understand him and answer in English and he'll understand that. I I just, I hope that's what it's like. But this I know, we're all gonna gather around the throne and we're gonna not sing, worthy is the great preacher on planet earth. We're gonna sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Our family tradition is we exalt Jesus Christ and we minimize people, but we show love and concern for each other as we follow Christ together. Father, thank you for making us part of your family. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for giving us a hope in heaven. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And I pray that we would be your body, that we would be your church, that we would live out what you have for us, that we would follow the path that you have set out, that we would pursue with a passion to follow you, to know you. As Paul said, even in his old age, that he might know you and serve you and even sacrifice and suffer for you. That's our heart's desire because we want to please you. I pray that you would strengthen us and equip us for this task and this end. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.